you are Locked On Dodgers, your daily Los Angeles Dodgers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So I say D, I say D-O, D-O-D, D-O-D-G, D-O-D-G-E-R-S, team, 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 Hello, Dodger fans, and welcome to Locked On Dodgers. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, the number one local sports daily podcast network. Locked On, your team every day. This is the daily podcast covering the Los Angeles Dodgers, bringing you the smart fans' perspective on our boys in blue. I'm Vince Samperio, Chavez Ravine Fiends, and with me is Jeff Snyder of Baseball Essential. Jeff, how are you doing? I'm doing all right. Uh, still recovering from sickness, but... Uh... You know, other than that, life is good, I guess. Now people get sick? Yeah. That sounds rough. Uh, But today, on today's show, we're going to talk about some more news that came today stemming from all the cheating going on, and that's Alex Cora is no longer the manager of the Boston Red Sox, so we'll get into that. A little bit of Carlos Beltran that we didn't get into yesterday. And then we finally got some Alex Wood's incentive. So we're going to talk about that and an interesting wording and, and use of uh, phrasing that is in there that could kind of show what the Dodgers have in mind or what they could be doing. So we're going to get to all that today. But before that, a quick reminder to subscribe to Locked on Dodgers wherever you get your podcasts. And when you get in your car in the morning, tell your smart device to play podcasts Locked on Dodgers. All right, Jeff, so the Red Sox announced that they mutually parted ways with Alex Cora. Uh, uh, the word mutually being interesting in the sense that I don't think Alex Cora wanted to be fired. Uh, but regardless, they kind of got out ahead of it, which we alluded to a little bit yesterday. Uh, did you think it was going to happen, and were you surprised? Yeah, I guess they mutually agreed. You know, the Red Sox said you're fired, and Alex Cora said, yes, I agree, you fired me. Um, Yeah, you know, we said on yesterday's episode, it was kind of a foregone conclusion that he was not going to be the Red Sox manager in 2020. Uh, the, the, The only question was, when will it happen? How will it happen? Would they wait for MLB's discipline to come down? And so I wasn't really surprised. I, After we talked last night, I kind of basically for the last 24 hours, I basically had talked myself into, yeah, they kind of have to fire him soon uh, with, with not knowing exactly when MLB's discipline is going to come down. You know, spring training starts in a month. It, basically they had no choice since they knew for sure he wasn't going to be their manager in 2020. There's really no reason to keep him around. You know, like I said yesterday, there may have been financial reasons. I don't know exactly how that works. If they'll have to pay his salary now with, if they wouldn't have, if he had, been suspended I don't know but ultimately that doesn't really matter they kind of had no choice but to fire him because he was already a lame duck a dead man walking and uh, they had to get it done sooner than later so they could try to find a manager for the season that starts in a month yeah I'd imagine that since he is named in that clause that is a way for them to have just cause for firing him Uh, you know if you get in trouble for other things that, you know, let's just say, I don't know, whatever it is, I don't have a comparable uh, answer for it, but I'd imagine since he is named in the report, that's enough of a just cause for the Red Sox to fire him and not have to worry about it. Although, I guess if you 
I don't know the exact wording. I guess if they fire him, they still have to pay him. But then yeah. he gets suspended. That's without pay. Yeah, who knows? Yeah. An, Although maybe maybe that was part of their mutual discussion was, okay, we we're, we owe you this much. How about we give you this much to go away and shut up about it? So Yeah, true. Um, so, yeah, uh, real quick, do you think this changes the way the Red Sox approach this season? Obviously, they – didn't make any moves. They didn't really add anybody. They probably are the third best team in their division again. Maybe fourth, depending on how the Blue Jays' uh, young guys step up. Uh, you know, does this add anything to the Dodgers maybe getting to Mookie Betts? At least, maybe not now, but uh, for sure in season, I would imagine. Yeah, you know, it seems like it. It probably would because I, I don't know. It's not. I don't think losing Cora makes them significantly worse but it definitely doesn't make them better and if they were already thinking about basically punting to get you know cut some salary and and shoot for 2021 uh this definitely doesn't change their mind in the opposite direction uh i don't know you know i i I still think the bigger factor is that the red sox current gm doesn't really have any ties to the current roster and is you know of that mold of uh, you know, trading stars for for a lot of prospects, or you know, getting salary flexibility, all those things. So I don't think Cora changes the math too much, but any change that it does make is definitely more in favor of them selling. Yeah, I think the other part that hasn't really been talked about, but you know, if the 2018 team, if they do find stuff and they do have, uh, probably not to the extent of the re- of the Astros, but they do do some draft picks or something away from the Red Sox. You know, they are going to have to try to recoup some of that. Uh, so maybe they would be more inclined to sell in that sense. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I do think, yeah, MLB's discipline might be more, more impactful in that sense for sure. All right. Um, before we move on to Oxwood, Carlos Beltran, we didn't really talk about him yesterday. He was named in the report as one of the reported ringleaders. He was on record saying that he didn't do it, I think, back in November when it first all came up. He was hired as the Mets manager. They, MLB said that they won't have any discipline uh, for Beltran but because he was a player at the time. But, you know, how do you, th- you think the Mets are going to stick with him uh, as their manager? Yeah, it was really interesting because he was the only player mentioned by name. You know, it, it basically, the report said pretty much everybody knew about it and took part on, to some degree or another. But Beltron was the only player who was active in 2017 who was mentioned by name. And, uh, you know, I don't think that's just because he's retired because, you know, Brian McCann is retired. He wasn't mentioned by name. You know, there there's... Uh, Clearly, Beltran was a big part of it. And for me, the big thing, Ken, Ken Rosenthal wrote a good article about it at The Athletic. Basically, Beltran said publicly in a press conference, I didn't know anything about sign stealing when I was there. Uh, and he even went into detail. We took a lot of pride in studying tape before and after games to, you know, to get better at it. And, you know, clearly he was lying. Uh, and the question is, did he lie to the Mets? Did the Mets know that he was going to be implicated in this scandal when they hired him? I I feel like the answer to that has to be no, because would they really have hired him knowing, hey, he's coming with a whole bunch of baggage? Uh, maybe, I mean, 
it wouldn't be out of the realm of possibility, I guess, for the Mets. But but it seems to me pretty likely that Beltron lied to the Mets when they hired him. And I wouldn't be surprised at all if in the next day or two, the Mets say, you know what, we're not doing this. We we have a couple of the guys we interviewed just a few months ago, uh, and we would rather move forward with somebody who doesn't come with so much baggage. And, uh, you know, I... I think this might affect Carlos Beltran's Hall of Fame case, which was pretty solid, and now maybe it's not. Uh, I probably don't agree with the last part, and maybe not so much with the first part. Uh, I don't remember exactly when the Mets hired him, but I would would have to be after October, so uh, maybe some of this stuff was already out. Yeah, I think if the Mets want to distance themselves, that's – a reason for them to do it uh, his hiring was you know probably a first-year manager I don't know I think they it's a way for them to back out of it I don't know if that was the right decision in the first place but that's uh, not something that we're here to discuss but yeah you know to be the only one named by actual or the only one named in the report the only player named in the report uh, it was obviously meant that he was a big part of it and that you know, probably other guys were giving up his name as well. And, uh, and not just, I don't think he gave himself up. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't know, but I, I'm interested to see. I, I think his days are numbered. Yeah. All right. That'll do it for that talk. Uh, if we get any more news, we'll be sure to talk about it since it does kind of relate to the Dodgers, but we are going to talk about Alex Wood and his incentives that he got from the Dodgers in his one year deal. So make sure you stay locked on Dodgers. Jeff, Arizona. We talked a lot about Arizona, but we're going to continue talking about Arizona because it is great. And uh, spring training is fun, and the Dodgers are in Arizona for spring training, as well as 15 or 14 other MLB teams. There's 10 stadiums in total, all within 50 miles of each other, all basically within an hour or so of each other. Uh, there's not too much traffic. Uh, maybe a little bit during the week, but not too much. The temperature the, is around 75 degrees. It's great. It's nice and sunny. Uh, you can get a nice little tan if you are not from California, or if you are from California, you can still get a tan. There's a lot to do besides spring training. But, Jeff, what are some of your favorite parts of actual spring training? Yeah, you know, one of the things I was thinking about is, uh, like you said, there's 15 teams there. And so I mean, we're Dodger fans, but we're also baseball fans. And, uh you know, we mentioned you can get more up close and personal with the players. That includes some of these other players that maybe you don't get to see as often. You know, Mike Trout is just right down the road. Trout and Otani and some of those guys on the Angels. Francisco Lindor is up the road in Goodyear. Uh, you got, you know, Chris Bryant, the other Cubs. You've got uh, right there at Camelback Ranch where the Dodgers are. You got the White Sox who have, you know, a lot of young stars bringing in some veterans and stuff. And, you know, so there's. Uh, it's not just an opportunity to get up close to personal with the Dodgers, but with, with all these teams. And it, it really is a cool atmosphere. You know, the stadiums are smaller. So if you're sitting at a game, there's no bad seats. You can get a seat out on the grass in the outfield and, you know, lay down a blanket and just lay on the grass and watch a baseball game. It's uh, not much better than watching a baseball game on a beautiful spring day, day lying on the grass. Yeah. Like I said, all that is great. And for, 
if you're not a full baseball fan, you're just a Dodger fan, or you just want other stuff to enjoy, there's plenty of other stuff to do out there in Arizona. They've got a, a, a nightlife if you're out for the nightlife. they got a day morning life if you're out for some scenery or some hiking. they got a lot of restaurants, a lot of upcoming breweries. There's just a lot to do out there, and you know it's a good way to spend a couple of days in the spring or if you have spring break or whatever. Uh, it's a good, good time to get out there and catch some baseball and do some other stuff. So if you want to start planning a trip, you should go to visitarizona.com slash spring training to start planning. All right, let's get into our obscure former Dodger of the day. I want to look at the 2017 team just to see if there was anything special. But I think we've talked about a couple of those guys already. But this guy, uh, I was interested to see what happened after he left the Dodgers and... Uh, then it led me to wanting to pick him as our obscure former Dodger. That's Okoya Dixon, who was first baseman, uh, kind of an outfielder, who came up with the Dodgers uh, in 2017 and played in a handful of games. Um, didn't do too much, but he was a solid player, or a decent player in the minors. He, he you know, when he was coming up through the, he could hit. Uh, but then after the Dodgers, he went to playing Japan and he did okay and and or he did decent in his first year out there in 2018 but then uh, last year he played in Mexico for the most part and then a couple of independent leagues so it seems that he you know might be done with his baseball career here coming up but uh he's just one of those guys that seem to be a good guy overall uh, but just you know not quite major league full-time material um, and maybe not even 4A, but he's one of those good AAA guys. He reminded me of, I don't know if you've seen uh, Major League Back to the Miners. He reminded me of the first baseman in that movie, just kind of uh, if he would have stuck along with it and just been like a, a 35 to 40-year-old first baseman in the minor leagues. Yeah, I always thought Akoya Dixon might be a good fit for like a, a bad team. Because, like you said, he, he wasn't starter level for the Dodgers. He was one of those guys who had a lot of power. Um, but along with that, you know, had some swing and miss. And just, you know, mostly just didn't do much except for hit home runs in the minors. And then, uh, you know, in his very brief major league stint, didn't even do that. Uh, but he's another example of what I mentioned the other day. He's, uh, his baseball reference picture is him wearing a hat for a team he never played for. He's got a Nationals hat on in his baseball reference picture, even though his only major league time came very briefly with the, briefly with the Dodgers, but he did play briefly in the minors for the Nationals last season, or at least was signed by them. Uh, signed in February and released in May, although I'm not seeing any record of him playing in the minors for them, so maybe he was hurt or something. Uh, but yeah. Akoya Dixon, wish him the best. Uh, I had forgotten he existed until you said his name. All right, Jeff. So we finally got some details on the incentives from Alex Woods' deal. And it's a little bit interesting. So John Heyman tweeted that it's $6 million in 2020 plus 250000 for each of these. So if he reaches 10 points, 12 points, 14 points, 16 points, 18 points. 20 points and then 500,000 for 22, 24, 26, 28 points. 
So what are points in this? The points are game started or a relief appearance when he enters the game in the third inning or earlier and pitches three or more innings. And then on top of that, he gets 500,000 when he hits 110, 120, 130, 140, and 150 innings pitched. So not something we've seen before, or at least, you know, at least for the Dodgers. And it appears that Alex would, you know, the way they worded it, and if he signed the deal, he obviously knows what's coming with it. It appears it might be an opener slash tandem starter thing that maybe the Dodgers are going to try out. Yeah, it's it's very clear that they view him as a starter or starter adjacent. You know, they they definitely signed him to be something like a starter. But the fact that they did uh, separate it out and specify uh, early relief appearances lasting several innings, like like you said, that that screams opener. And uh, you know, it says third inning or earlier, which almost even rules out tandem starts because I think you'd expect to get three innings from your starter if you were doing a tandem start, which would mean that Wood wouldn't enter until the fourth. So this really leans towards, you know, and maybe it's because of, you know, Wood has always had bigger splits than you would expect from a starting pitcher. Most most left-handed starting pitchers don't have big splits. Um, and it's kind of selection bias because most of the guys with big splits end up in the bullpen. Um, but Wood had bigger ones and and part of that re- is because one of the reasons left-handed pitchers often have extreme splits is because they have funky deliveries and Wood definitely has a funky delivery. And so maybe they're they're looking at it with you know when you have a team um for example, if they're playing the Padres uh and the Padres have Fernando Tatis Jr. leading off and Manny Machado batting second, uh you I could definitely see a case where you would rather have Pedro Baez or, you know, somebody other than <laughs> lefty Alex Wood pitching the first inning against the Padres, you know? And so maybe they do go with a an opener to, to get through that top of the lineup in those situations uh, just to, to minimize his splits. Um, but it also could just be the fact that they have nine starting pitchers now and maybe they are going to say, okay, we're going to, build up guys like May and Gonsolin have have Dustin May do two inning starts once in a while uh I don't know but it was definitely interesting and it cleared up at least that they don't think of him as a reliever but it almost creates more questions than it answers yeah uh if he uh, if he does become a reliever either something went very wrong or Alex Wood will be very mad uh I think kind of last point of what you made is kind of what I was thinking is a lot of the younger guys getting, you know, two innings early on against top, top of the order. They still get, you know, to face uh, some, some high quality uh, and it also keeps their innings down as they need be. Uh, The other thing is, you know, the, the re implementation of the 15 day IL, they will need guys, you know they can't just skip guys one time or through the through the through the order, so they have to go twice through the order. So you know maybe they'll want him to kind of not have to pitch six seven innings every time. Maybe you know give him four or five innings in the middle of the game and, and let someone else start the other game. So uh, definitely, you know, was interesting to see that and 
you know, like I said, Wood has to be on board with it. He signed the deal. The Dodgers are obviously talked to him and probably, you know, promised him certain things. So you would imagine that he's going to start for the most part. And, you know, at least for the innings aspect of it, uh, if he's throwing that many innings, that means he's pitching well or the Dodgers have a lot of injuries. So either way, he would be earning that money regardless of it. So, you know, hopefully it works out for the best for the Dodgers and for Alex Wood. But, uh, you know, there's still not a lot of downside to it, uh, kind of what we touched on when they signed him. So I'm excited to see what they have in store and uh, what they're going to do and how they're going to implement it. And I wouldn't mind seeing some openers for situations, like you said, where teams with great tops of the order – Alex Wood can get a reprieve from that and maybe face them only once instead of twice in five innings. Yeah. Um, and I also thought it was interesting that the incentives start at 10 appearances, 10 points, uh, which means, uh, you know, it doesn't mean they're only expecting to get 10 starts from him, but uh, it, it means he will be incentivized early, which uh, probably says something about his health and, uh, you know, what they're expecting from him. Uh, hopefully he will earn all those incentives by my math, just adding it up in my head. That's a total of $6 million available in incentives, uh, which uh, great for him. You know, he could double his salary if he basically, if he starts 28 games and pitches 150 innings, which aren't out of the question, if he's healthy, uh, he, he can double his salary. So that's good for him. And you know, incentives are designed to incentivize a guy. And so hopefully he will earn all those incentives and it's a win-win. Yep. Um, all right, Jeff, I think that's all we got for today. You got anything else to add? Nope. I think that's it. All right. That'll do it for today's episode. Thank you for listening to Locked on Dodgers. We'll be back tomorrow. If there's no other news, we got a couple of interesting questions still around uh, the cheating and the Astros handling of things, which... Uh, we think would be interesting to talk about. So we'll probably get into those if there's nothing else. We still have the only stuff too. Yeah. Yeah. The only stuff, it's not going anywhere. So we'll we'll keep that for when we need it. So we'll be back with that. Make sure to subscribe to the show, wherever you get your podcasts, wherever you think we sound best. If it does not happen to be Apple, but you have a device that's capable of using Apple, please subscribe on there as well. You can follow us on social media, Twitter and Instagram, at LockedOnDodgers. On Twitter, Jeff is at Snydog. I am at Vince Samperio. The DMs are open on all those accounts if you want to get a hold of us. Other ways to get a hold of us are calling or texting, 323-863-LOCK. That's 323-863-5625. Or email LockedOnDodgers at gmail.com. If you like the show, please show us, subscribe, reach out to us, tweet about us, post about us, tell friends, tell family, tell anybody you know that's a Dodger fan, and make sure to rate and review on Apple or if your other podcast apps have ratings and reviews. We're here every weekday morning, and we hope you'll be with us. When you get in your car, tell your smart device to play a podcast locked on Dodgers. And remember, you don't have to agree. You just have to listen. Have a good one. We'll talk to you tomorrow. I say D-O, D-O-D-G-E-R-S. The team that's all heart, 
or Harden or Thumbs, they're my Los Angeles, your Los Angeles, our Los Angeles. Do you think we'll really win the pennant? Bye!